0: Hello, I'm Jessica Marquardt. This is Kaleidoscope, the Cortical Visual Impairment Podcast. About three years ago, Dagbert Andrestotter learned that there is a reason she struggled with math, a reason she can't read music, a reason she constantly trips and falls. She has cortical visual impairment, CVI. It's the leading cause of pediatric visual impairments in developed countries, affecting some estimated 30 to 40 percent of kids with a visual impairment. Dagbjart is in her 20s, so how did she figure out that she has CVI, and why did it take her so long? She's not the only one. Many children with CVI go undiagnosed, and those that do get a diagnosis are almost always underserved by early intervention and school programs. Hello, friend. Hello. So glad that you joined me. This is Awesome. And we found our perfect timing with the time zone differences because you're in Iceland and I'm in North Carolina. Tell me if I'm saying your name right so that I don't butcher it. I would say it Dagbert. Is that anywhere near? No. No. Uh,
1: Dagbert. Dagbert. Not good? The J the J is more. Okay. It's like Dagbert. Beert. Exactly.
0: Dagbert.
1: Right. Okay.
0: And can you say your last name? Andres Stotter. Andres Stotter. Right. Okay. Dagbert. Mm-hmm. Close enough? Close okay. <laughs>
1: so have you been
0: traveling to perform any this month?
1: Yes. I was in the north the beginning of August to do a Baroque show.
0: And what else do you have coming up?
1: Coming up is just school. Just the academy is starting over again after the summer.
0: So does that mean you spend your summers performing and then you spend the school year in classes or do you perform periodically during the school year?
1: Well, I also do performing during school years, but the performing in the summer is not really like at the school year. It's more down. There's more to do in the the fall. But there's something, something's always in the summer that I need to do.
0: Right. And that's associated with school, or are those gigs that you kind of find on your own?
1: These are gigs that I am asked to do on my own. Uh-huh. Or with my choir. That's awesome.
0: So sometimes you sing solo, and sometimes you sing with a group. Yeah. Well, I just loved getting to hear you perform this year at the American Conference on Pediatric Cortical Visual Impairment. I mean, everyone, <laughs> your presence when you sing... You fill the room, and your confidence and your body language just exudes this big presence. And, of course, your voice is amazing.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And it was just really inspiring, especially for a lot of the parents at the conference, to meet you and to see how accomplished you are in the face of all sorts of challenges that our children face so do you by any chance think that your sense of hearing is heightened because vision is a struggle for you?
1: Definitely. Definitely. I used to hear things that nobody no, nobody else hears around. I could hear my mom's telephone in her, in her bag, down in the, in the basement, under some boxes but she couldn't and like, like i said mom is that is that your phone she's like no and then five minutes she would check it and like your ears are something <laughs> so i was like i could hear any sound
0: did any of them scare you when you were quite young
1: yeah that was a big problem
0: how did you overcome that you think
1: well i don't really know just i got older and it stopped being such such as much problem. So I don't don't really know.
0: (laughs) Well, I think with Grace, when we started to identify the things that were scaring her or waking her up in the middle of the night and she started to have a name for the sound. Yeah. I mean, she could tell the difference between a lawnmower and a leaf blower or, you know, all these different types of lawn equipment. She knows the difference. Yeah. To that degree. But it just took naming it so that she knew that that was outside and it couldn't come in to get her it gave her a sense of security so i think just having a name for things can be helpful exactly did you always sing when you were a child or did that emerge later
1: i didn't stop singing i just didn't
0: <laughs> did your parents love that
1: yeah they actually did yeah it was i would say it was my grandpa who actually found out i would be something in singing because my mom hold, holding me when i was like 6 months old and i i squeaking and screaming and stuff and grandpa said oh she'll be a singer and mom's like yeah right (laughs) but still but then i was like okay she'll be a singer cool let's get her on to studying i don't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) did anyone else in your family have a talent for singing that you could point to
1: well my family is very musical but nobody is doing as i do they like music but they don't they don't study it
0: so they appreciate it but they don't have um the performance ability or the inclination to pursue it. Yeah. So you'd say that your grandfather and other family members noticed your vocal talent. And then how did they help you cultivate that?
1: So my mom, I, I really don't know how she found this, but she one day asked me if I would like to join a choir. And I was like, yes, let's try this. And so I went to the first rehearsal for the fall, and I haven't stopped since. The director of this choir also runs a music academy, and when I got older, I started singing. I started studying real levels there. Then 2014, I graduated from that school and started in the academy that I study now. So
0: you've been studying in the same school for?
1: For three years.
0: So it sounds like you were given that initial opportunity to blossom with your singing But then you really took it from there. Yeah. So tell us about your childhood. What was it like growing up? Can you tell everyone where did you live? What were you like? And a little bit of how school was for you.
1: Well, I grew up in a little town just outside of Reykjavik. There was not many people there. Everybody knew everybody and the school was tiny. We lived on a kind of a farm with horses and animals and stuff. Really nice. But, well, I, when growing up, I was, I would say I was a loner. I, I didn't have any friends. I just walked around and played with the few friends that I had. And at school, all kinds of subjects to do with languages or reading and that stuff was easy for me. But the math subjects like... Mathematics, or physics, or nature, or whatever, this was a nightmare, because I have something that's called dyscalculia, which is like dyslexia, but with numbers. This prevented me from doing any maths projects in school up to, like, fourth grade. So the math that I am familiar with is just children maths, you know, so that was not really my cup of tea. Also, I was, I was bullied a lot in school because I was some kind of different than the other people, and that made school. Yeah, that made it quite hard for me. But I like to learn the the reading subjects.
0: So that's interesting to me. Did you have any difficulty learning to read or being able to look at children's books or even text that got longer and longer as your studies progressed?
1: Well, I learned to read quite quickly. I don't know. I don't know why, but I think it's because my family was always reading and everybody had really much interest in reading whatever they got to read and stuff. My family was very vocal. There's a lot of words and puzzle games in the family. So I don't really had problems with reading as is, but reading numbers was another thing.
0: And now when you go to read a book, for instance, do you become fatigued very quickly, or do you have ways around it?
1: Uh, I have my ways around it. I just have to have a lot of light in the room that I am in when reading. But otherwise, there's no... Nothing else that I have to do.
0: And did you ever have trouble interpreting the pictures in children's books?
1: Sometimes. If if there was a picture of, for example, a car or something, I, I, I didn't really know what that was. Sometimes, but not that often.
0: When did you realize that your vision was different from other people's vision? Did you at first think that you were just struggling because you were struggling, or that there was really nothing that you could do or that it wasn't your vision? Or did you kind of always know that that was the culprit?
1: Well, um, the thing is that I kind of knew always that there was something, but I wasn't really sure it was if it was my vision or something else because I used to fall a lot. And I used to not see any trip up in, the, in where, where I was or whatever. I didn't know if it, it was my balance or it, it was my vision. Everybody thought it was my balance at first. Then I got my glasses and my vision in some ways got better, but not not nearly as good as it should be.
0: And this is fascinating to me because you're somewhat of a world traveler, at least very frequently, all around Europe to perform. And <laughs> you, you get around. How do you manage?
1: Well... I just got used to it. I just got used to falling. I just got used to not seeing things. Uh, I had always somebody beside me to actually guide me to where I was going, but I didn't know it was because of that I saw uh, something else or I just had someone with me. And other than that, I just got used to doing it on my own.
0: Was it easier to get around a familiar place and much harder in a new place or did it not much matter? Definitely,
1: definitely. It was definitely a lot, a lot harder with like, when, when I didn't know the place.
0: Now, I believe you mentioned that you started earlier this year with some training with an orientation and mobility specialist. Is that right? That's right. So you're using a cane now? How's that going?
1: It's going good. It's kind of save, saving my life sometimes, but I still have to learn to trust it more. Right. I'm still looking a lot more down than I should be. <laughs> Yeah. But
0: <laughs> I can see that.
1: <laughs> but it's gonna it's gonna be all, all right. The teacher said it would take like a year to get used to it and I only had have had it for like 5 months. So,
0: <laughs> right. I'm sure it just takes time for it to become second nature to use it. Yeah. I know that when Grace uses hers, I mean she uses it whenever we're out and about, not in our home or a completely incredibly familiar environment. But what she has said is She kind of doesn't like to use it because she has to think harder. Right. Right. There's that coordination of A, where am I going? B, holding the cane properly. C, what is it telling me? So it takes a lot of practice to have that become an extension of yourself.
1: It actually does. It really does.
0: Well, I'm glad that you have that. And you say that it's saving your life sometimes. It's always good to have the tools that you need.
1: It kind of saves me from like breaking my legs or something. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I, don't
0: <trip> <laughs> I love it. You mentioned that you were bullied as a child, and yeah. I'm so sorry. That has to have been so painful. And as a parent, we know we're going to have to deal with these things with our children, but it's really not anything we want to have to confront. Would you say that was the biggest challenge you faced, or was there anything bigger that you'd say?
1: I'd say so. No, not not in my childhood, No. As I got older, yes, but not in my childhood.
0: What did your parents do to help you through those moments?
1: Uh, well, my mom luckily worked in the school that I was in, so she could kind of keep an eye on me, but she couldn't like stop everything, and she wasn't always where I was. With whatever you may think, my parents have helped me in some ways, just with... Reading, writing, understanding, whatever, just whatever I was doing. But mostly, I'd say they would help me with the emotional part of doing the things that I, w- I was struggling with.
0: It's very fortunate to have parents who empathize in that way and, and know how to help you get, get through it. I think I also heard you mention that your mother seemed to naturally know maybe to describe things to you in a specific way. Or with her education background, you know, having some unique skills to be able to help you from that perspective. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, she was a teacher, so she had an educa- educational background that she could use to help me. But she, well, when I was a little, little baby, she didn't expect me to have these struggles, but she learned to help me quite quickly so
0: what subjects did she teach
1: uh she used to teach english
0: hence all the reading and all the books in your home (laughs) (laughs) right and what about your dad
1: my dad was a, a carpenter and a firefighter wow
0: was he a volunteer firefighter for your community or was that his profession
1: he was a professional what kinds
0: of things did he make with his carpentry
1: uh, our house, for example. Your house? He built your house? They, he built my, he built our house with his,
0: his own hands. That's amazing. <laughs> Did you help him at all, or was this before you were born, or you were too little?
1: I was. I wasn't born. Okay. Are you handy? I have ten thumbs. <laughs> I'm. I'm not. i not handy at all. You <laughs> <enough>. know.
0: <laughs> it's fun to hear about um, people's backgrounds and and their parents.
1: He was also in the rescue team. To, like save people if there was a avalanche or something. Oh, wow. Does that happen a lot? Not avalanches, but like fires or accidents. He would go out and save people. You know? Very brave. Yeah, he was. He was
0: brave. Tell us about your birth story a little bit. Did anything happen that would indicate that, that you would have a, a visual processing thing? Like, was there a, a history of a, a neurological event or were you premature or anything like that?
1: Uh, well, so I was born two months prematurely, and something happened with my mom that we did. We don't really know what was what that was. We think it was the placenta who dislocated or something. Mm-hmm. My my father called the ambulance, and as we lived on the farm, firstly did didn't find our house, so they had to wait a lot of time to to get the ambulance, to get mom. And then when they got her, they had driven for like 10 minutes and the car broke down. Oh my gosh. And uh, so they had to get another one to get downtown to the hospital. And when they got downtown, in 10 minutes I was out. Mom put to sleep and I was out, you know. Yeah, that, that lateness would maybe have indicated some of the problems I don't know
0: did they even make it into a hospital or a clinic or did she give birth in the ambulance
1: no they did they they got they did a c-section on her in the clinic okay but the doctor the doctor was like furious with the people in the ambulance but just what were you doing guys like breaking down the (laughs) the first one and like not finding our house and stuff he was furious this, this is all stuff that my mom told me after i was born
0: sure were the two of you admitted into a hospital for a lengthy stay or did you go home
1: i was i was there for like 10 days or something i don't know in iceland how does it work do you get special services for
0: a premature birth like that like were you followed by um someone from an early intervention team or um followed up with in a special way
1: uh you have to ask for it it's not automatic I, I was I used physical and occupational therapy from six months old until like seventeen years old. <laughs> so I was followed by them, and then in my school, my teachers knew about these things and just kept an eye on. But me. No
0: vision services, no teacher of the visually impaired. Okay, no, no. Well, do you ever feel like you just have to work harder at everything to get through it? I mean, you know, for knowing that how my child has had all the different types of therapies and various doctors. And, you know, she talks about how things are harder in school. Do you feel that way or do you have a different perspective? And if you do feel that way, what do you do to keep a positive attitude and a resilience about you?
1: Well, I do feel this way sometimes. To cope, what I do, um, I would say that I use my music to actually be able to do whatever i have to do and sometimes also i focus on the things that i have i find easy to do but mostly i I should say i use the music so
0: it's a wonderful outlet in so many ways and probably just really sustaining to have found something that you love so much but that you're also so good at gives you probably a lot of confidence and i imagine that was music was probably a bit of a home for you as you grew up it gave you a place to go when things were
1: hard yeah, it did. It really did.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about some of your your teachers and how they, you said that they kept an eye out for you. Was that always
1: the case? I had a special education teacher, but she wasn't trained for the visually impaired. Other than that, there were just normal school teachers that knew that I had some problems and just kept an eye on me and nothing else.
0: Did you have a teacher that really got it, though? Kind of understood what you were going through?
1: The special special education teacher mm-hmm. did, yes. Mm-hmm. She was actually one of my mom's best friends. Oh, how
0: nice. What about your music teachers? Were they special fixtures in your life?
1: They are my mentors. They are my my idols. Everybody. Every single one of them. They just, I don't know where I would be if there there wasn't for them plain as that is. What
0: about reading music? We talked about reading books, but are you able to read music or is that too complicated?
1: I'm not able to, no. I do all by ear. Wow. Because of the CVI, I just, I'm not able to interpret what actually is happening on the paper and the teachers aren't really understanding it. They just think I'm not learning much at home and, or if I'm lazy or whatever, don't think that I have any problem. How
0: do you advocate for yourself in that situation? You know, that's pretty demeaning and, and, and rude and not showing a lot of, um, care toward a student to say that you're lazy. Yep.
1: Well, what I have to try to do is like Google the problems and sending them some articles so they can read them or getting some books to lend them to Mm -hmm. read or try to explain myself, which is kind of hard sometimes because I feel like they're not believing what I'm saying. I don't know, but that's what I feel like. They're not really believing it.
0: But you have this heightened hearing that has helped you compensate. So it's like the gift that, that makes up for the challenge in a way. Yeah, right, does, that, right. does that mean that you have perfect pitch that you can hear something and remember it? Or I don't know anything about music, but it sounds remarkable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> People say, my teachers say, my family says I have perfect pitch, but I don't really think that I have myself. But you have to ask somebody else to it but I but well I don't I don't feel like having a perfect pitch but people say that I have so it gives
0: me chills to to think about all the gifts that and talents that people are given to share with the world um and you know that you're given the ones that that you need the most in a certain way right so I'm really I'm inspired by your parents I mean it just sounds like they put a support system in place that helped you to thrive is there anything else that you'd like to to say about them I was so sad to hear that your mother passed away earlier this year. I know know personally it's incredibly hard to lose a mother as that tends to be the person who knows you the best, um, who's seen you through it all, and is your biggest cheerleader. I often wish I could call my mom and ask her parenting questions or how she would be using her time to advocate for kids with CVI like Grace.
1: Exactly. Well, I would, I would probably, I would probably call her to like, what should I do with this apartment? You know, <laughs> right?
0: Because you're trying to sell your mother's apartment and she's not around <laughs> to, to do that. <laughs> how inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have any advice for parents of kids with CVI, just based on you know your experiences with your parents and the little things that they did for you? What, how can they have the biggest impact on their child's life?
1: Well, you know your child children better than anybody any physician any teacher any person in the world you know the your child children much better than them so if people are saying no your child doesn't have this problem or your child is okay your child is cool you know if if you have a hunch there's something some problems follow it don't give up on it that's good advice that's good advice I'd like to hear about your
0: day to day now, You know, now that you're an adult and you're past the school years and some of the tougher developmental times uh, and you're building your musical career. How does CVI affect you from day to day?
1: It's difficult to get around. Like if I have to go like outside and walk and go to the bus stops, it has gotten easier because I had to do it for, for quite a while. But still, if I don't know the place, I get I get disoriented really quickly, and then I have to like stop for a minute and think. And then sometimes I I don't get less disoriented. If that happens, I'll just have panic attacks or something. <laughs> but if I if I know the place as if it's in my school or my home or a relatives' house, it's it's fine. I'm okay.
0: If you become disoriented in public, how long does it take you to recover?
1: Kind of depends on the background, if it's a lot of people, or if it's really noisy, or if I'm really tired, it can take the whole day after the thing happens. Mm. But if it's just normal, not many people, not really noisy, it can take like an hour. I don't know. So it depends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Can you describe to us what the world looks like through your eyes?
1: (laughs) Um, It depends. As, as everything does, well, again, if I know the place or the people or what I'm doing, it looks clear, just as you would see it. But if it's, like, noisy, many people, you're tired, you're stressed, you're scared, whatever, it's like looking through water for me.
0: It's like looking through...
1: Through water. Through water. Or, like, plastic something, I don't know. If there's a really hard hard situation water can get like baby so it's like kaleidoscope fish something do you think that people
0: in your in your day-to-day in your orbit the people that you see the most do they understand you better than maybe perhaps you know when you were a young child
1: in some ways probably they do in some ways but nobody understands it like yourself because they're not the ones you de- dealing with it you see <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. when did you first have a name for this? When did you first realize that what you have is called cortical visual impairment?
1: Oh, well, that was three years ago, only three years ago, when my mother came home from work, and she had been on like a meeting. And she said, I I know what's wrong with your eyes. I was like, okay. And she started saying that there was this little kid that got into her school that ha- had cortical visual impairment and in the meeting they were describing the problem and how it affects the kid and so my mom had like a light bulb moment like this is what is wrong with her i had to get to googling or doing some research that's amazing can
0: you imagine what that light bulb moment felt like
1: <laughs> to her <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh goodness and to see you know that people were able to kind of put some words around it and describe the visual kinds of things that you had been experiencing your whole life. That is, that's fascinating. And so then once she got to Googling, what was the next step?
1: So we went to our, MI ophthalmologist, as we had a hunch, and he confirmed it after some battling, I'd say. Well, my mom said, so we think she has CVI. Could that be the case? And he said, like, well, yes, I've known it all the time. I've been with the same ophthalmologist since I was like a baby. So he never mentioned it to anybody, anybody. Not me. Not mom. Not dad. Not anyone.
0: Sorry. That's not a good answer, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So did you get a new ophthalmologist? Not yet. I'm working on it. You know, once he confirmed that your mom's thoughts and and you had that diagnosis, so to speak, then what?
1: Then I started to look at things. What I could do, like on the internet like articles like um, uh, services or people or if I could find someone that had it or somebody that knew somebody that had it or something I don't know I just started researching have you had the
0: opportunity to meet other people with CVI who are you know maybe older like your age not children
1: Uh, not in person not in person but online yeah one, per- one
0: person. Makes a big difference, I think. You know, we had a, a chance to attend a CVI family vacation at the Perkins School for the Blind in Boston in the U.S. For our children to get to interact with other kids who have the same diagnosis, and then also for their siblings to have time together really, really means a lot. Really means a lot. Do you have anything you'd like to say to kids who have CVI? Um,
1: well, you guys are not alone in it. There are people that have it. There's more people, and everybody has different problems. Even if you have some problems, somebody that has CBI might not have it, or maybe you have not have had some problems that somebody else has. So everybody's different. So don't judge anybody if if they have CBI. They don't. They might be different than you. They might be the same. There's a lot of difference but you're not alone
0: in it. I'm so glad you said that. You're not alone, and everyone's different. (laughs) We all have differences. Some are just more obvious than others, and that's something that we're really trying to remind our kids. It can be tough. You think you're, you know, Grace feels left out a lot. She says, I get left out all the time. Kids run off, you know, at a faster pace, and she can't track them, locate them, find who she wants to play with on the playground, and it's it saddens her, you know.
1: Yeah, I can understand that. But
0: you have good advice there. It's a journey, right?
1: <laughs> it's a journey. I'm trying to plan something here in Iceland too.
0: All right. We'll go to Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to hear your lovely voice. Maybe we could find a little recording of something that you've done.
1: I can send you something. Yeah,
0: that if if I would have the rights, you know, to Yeah. yeah. Splice it in at the end. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Oh goodness. Thank you so so much. I I you can't know how excited I was that you said yes to having this conversation. It's just not, it's not every day that I get to hear from someone like you. Someone with such resilience and, and who um, is really a shining example for, for all of our kids. So thank you.
1: It's just an honor to me. Just thank you for asking me to do it.
0: All right. Hope I get to talk to you soon.